Hello and welcome to the Half Court Press Podcast. I am Jimmy Watkins, the Nebraska basketball beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. He is Joel Lorenzi, the Creighton basketball beat writer you for the Omaha World Herald. You going to this is how you introduce a podcast. Come on now. That's how you introduce a podcast. This is a action-packed episode. I am overwhelmed by the amount of topics we have. We have to go over Joel's trip to New York. We have to talk about... Uh, exhibitions coming up this weekend we got to talk about there's a lot of ncaa tournament expansion talk that's happening our boss sam McEwen texted me moments before we started recording this podcast a question that relates to both of these basketball teams he wants us to get into uh my mind's a little scrambled we will start of course with the pressing matter at hand i watched joel's dog for three days uh while he was in new york i can't tell if he did a good job or not i mean the dog is still there but the dog what, is like... What's the I, end goal? When I look at Diesel is my dog's name. We can't just keep calling him the dog, first off. My, Diesel, when I look at Diesel, as soon as I get in the car, it's like there's an emptiness to him that wasn't there when I dropped him off. I don't know. He's not reacting to me the same. Maybe he, mad, maybe he, he likes likes me. Maybe he likes this Jimmy dog, more than me. All right, so this is a pit bull, right? And this a pit bull dog is an American there. bulldog. You would know that. Whatever. You own it. Sorry, you didn't give me the breeding papers Whatever. before when I, when I grabbed him, but... I will say this is this dog definitely embodies the like pit bulls aren't what you think they are like he will come up to you at any given moment just put his chin in your lap and he's just, just like, soft is what Jimmy's trying to I'm say. I'm not if, no he's if, loving. If a he's robber loving. walked into your home with Diesel there, he's probably helping a robber rob you. Frankly, That's I don't know. The type of dog I feel like Diesel there is, is a protective streak in him, but he's well, he's God very loving. He's very loving. I think he, I think he just likes me. I think he, I mean, dogs, I think he just likes everybody. He's a very loving pup. Yeah. My, my full review, I, I think I did great. I fed him on time. I took him out three, sometimes four times a day because Joel told me, Joel told, get this, Joel told me before, uh, before he left, don't give him too much water because then you'll have to keep him. I'm not trying to, this man, like when I would take him out sometimes, we would just go, like, I'd let him sprint for a couple blocks and try to keep up with him. My man would come back, <laughs> like drool, like hanging over his nose. Bro, like I, this, I, this I guy, this dog drools so much. So I had to keep pouring him some more water. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do him like that. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't run as much as Jimmy does. The one, I don't run at all. I just like when the dog was, I, he's got so much energy. You got you to tire him out, right? Yeah. So the one mishap we did have is yesterday when I was on my way. I live in an apartment complex, um, and he did low-key pee on someone's front door <laughs> in the apartment complex. It was like a pumpkin outside the door. He was sniffing around. I didn't think much of it, and he lifted that leg. I was like, oh, shit. He probably got like he probably got like a quarter stream out on this person's door, and there's like Which a little trail. Which is a trail. lot, frankly, Right, right, right. Because he goes for right, a long no, time. No, for sure. But I will say, there is just something he does in new places. He really don't. I mean, sometimes well, it's like he doesn't got no house training when really when you get him the in the house, is, it's different. But you're to get out of your apartment is less convoluted to get out of mine. There's like two doors. So I think he was like, he was thinking, okay, I'm outside now. This is where I go to the bathroom. Like immediately he took like once the first day I took him, I took one step outside the front door and just started going on the sidewalk, which was fine. But I think that's kind of what it is. He, he just was used to a certain pattern of, okay, I walk this far, then I pee. And you know what? It happens. If, 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 any, if my landlords are listening to this, First of all, get a life. Second of all, <laughs> you you can't prove anything. I don't have the dog I'm anymore. I'm to text them now that you said that. <laughs> um, okay, Joel, how was New York? Talk to us. New York was lovely, man. I love New York. Well, I wish um, not, nothing against Queens. Like, that's usually where I am when I go to New York because um, I got people out there. I like Queens a lot. Um, I wish I would have been in 
the city though, mm-hmm. uh, like that would have been great. Just um, base because because the first day, like when I got there, I landed in Newark, which was shitty. I mean, Newark's just not a, a great place. Um, traveling from Newark to one of the boroughs is probably even worse, especially mm-hmm. for somebody who's like not familiar with the city and the public transit. Like, it was hell. Like it took me a while. Thankfully, I didn't have any pressure to to get back to the hotel or nothing. So I was just doing shit and just staring blankly at my Google Maps. But like, it, it was rough. Um, You're Mark staring at your Google Maps. You get robbed. Such a Nebraska. Okay, not staring. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid ass. Anyway, so I was, I was. It was, it was rough. So, um, but after that, it was great. I mean, great food. Um, I love how you could just be an individual in New York because nobody cares about anybody else and what they got going on. So, so crowded. Like, it's just so many people. Yeah, and and it's dope because I was like, I was telling uh, Z before we started recording like that that night I got there. I I almost said Friday night because it feels like that was my weekend mm-hmm. being in New York. Um, but today's Wednesday, which is weird as hell. It's gonna mess up your week. Yeah. All week. Um, but. The first night I was there, Monday night, um, was just walking around Queens and um, got a bite to eat, got some pizza and a beef patty in the same place, which is legendary. Omaha could never. Um, and Not just beef patty, beef patty with cheese in it, right? Beef patty with cheese. Nice. It was, it was a delicate process. Like, they really, it was lovely. And I'm just walking down the street eating it and nobody cares. You could be sloppy, you could have this shit all on your face because it's New York, man. And I, I just, I can't wait to go back. I mean... Madison Square Garden, like, I'd never been. Mm-hmm. And just being in there, like, I tried to really paint the picture with my story, and I don't know if I even had enough words to do so. Like, it was just... Like, I even got better flicks. I posted a really bad flick on my Twitter with some dude even photobombing with his big-ass hat in front of me. But, like, Madison Square Garden, bro, and they had the Jumbotron, like, close to the floor. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could just see the whole ceiling. You could... You got a great view of the, all the jerseys and the rafters. Like, it, it's insane. It's just, it's everything they say it is. I love New York. I love Madison yeah. Square Garden. I've never been inside. I just, like, but, like, I remember, like, for my ninth grade, like, we had a class trip in ninth grade. If you were in, like, honors social studies or whatever, you get to go on this class trip sidebar because of that. There were a lot of dumbass kids in honors social studies trying to get <laughs> onto that class trip. Neither here nor there, but just needs to be said. Uh, and we just stood outside Madison Square Garden. It's just like, whoa. Like, for, for, for basketball people, that's just like, it's a special, it's like a hollowed ground. It's a nice. big deal. Um, let's talk about what happened inside those, ho- those hollowed walls of Madison Square Garden. Uh, Creighton had a bigger crowd. Saw a picture from SID Rob Anderson. Yep. There was quite the throng of media people yeah. at the table. With They had Mac, Nemhard, Kaluma, and Kalkbrenner. Mm-hmm. Um, talk me through your media day strategy. Like, How did you formulate what kind of questions you wanted to ask, what kind of stories you wanted to write? What did you get out of that experience? Yeah, sure. Um, and for one, I thought, uh, I initially thought, you know, those three players was like, oh, they, they, they brought out the the whole cavalry. Like, that's a, a big deal. Based on kind of what Jimmy was telling me about Big Ten media days and what to expect. And then Providence brings, like, half their team <laughs> to, to media days. I don't days, understand so. that so, inclination. Michigan State did the same thing. Yeah. It's weird. It's one of those things where, like, it's like in if you've ever worked wrote, written a preps feature, you'll always find a high school coach who's like, well, I don't want to just highlight one kid. Can you just write about <laughs> – all 11 starters on my defense like no bro they're not that interesting this one person is interesting Facts. it's like that kind of deal now, i don't know providence deal if they got bad uh 
bad access over there or what. I mean, I got to imagine if they had bad access, they wouldn't bring in six players there. I don't know. I don't know what the point was. But my strategy, I guess, was um, really, I mean, frankly, if you've listened to us and read my work all summer since I've got here, I've I've been around the team quite a bit. Um, Even on media day that they had here a few weeks ago, it was like, um, this is probably nothing that I haven't already heard. Um, I mean, that day was cool because you get to sit down one-on-one with some of the players instead of just getting on the phone with them or something. Um, And frankly, this was like a similar opportunity. I mean, as many people as you saw at that table, like, they're all asking the same question. I mean, it's the same question that people are coming around and asking. And it's, it's, it's a reasonable question, right? What, what, how are you handling the expectations? You know, what's it like to be such a hype team, number nine, all that jazz. And Mm -hmm. it's like, they've heard it all. And so I tried to kind of get outside the box. I had never really had a conversation with Kalkbrenner yet. Uh, I've talked to Nemhar obviously a lot because I did a story on him. I talked to, uh, did a one-on-one with Kaluma at Media Day, but I hadn't really talked to Kalkbrenner. And um, there was some pretty interesting news that dropped right before um, I got to talk to him. So it was just convenient um, asking him about Sonogo and, um, so that's Adama Snow from UConn being picked as the biggest preseason player yes, of the year. That yes. is what you're referring to. He gave to. me a, a pretty good quote that I think Creighton Twitter enjoyed. Um, but, yeah, the strategy was just to kind of ask questions that maybe they hadn't been asked yet, uh, maybe ask really specific stories that might not make it into a story this week but maybe would make sense down the line. Um and even, like, particular stuff, like uh, talking to Kalkbrenner about uh, the short role and, uh, you know, his progression there and, and what it could mean for this team and stuff like that. Um, asking them stuff that still makes sense to ask them, not just, like, having a conversation right. off to the side type deal. And then still asking them, um, you know, some of the stuff based on the material that, you know, the polls gave us because there was a lot to talk about with that, obviously. And, um at a certain point, you, you get tired of asking, the, even with the polls, like, oh, how's it feel to be number nine, this and that. Because, frankly, I don't – I would like to sit in front of the player in this country who, after their team is named a top ten team, is actually going to be like, yeah, man, we top ten. You're, you're like, this is fire. Like, you know, like they're not going to do that. They're, they got to play that role, right, where they're yeah. like, it's cool, but it means nothing. Like, And, frankly, for Creighton, it means everything. They won't tell you that, but um, – They've obviously never been ranked on the socials and at, at social media, as I've said before. Social media is not real life, but on the socials, they were pumping that out. Yeah, highest preseason ranking in right. school history. Like that's juice. Yeah, real and, juice behind that. And obviously, that's uh, that's like their social team and whatnot. It's it's not the players for the people players, who don't understand they, the players difference. Players feel that too, though. Even though no, outwardly, yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't know if they're they're putting number nine exclamation right. points, but um, but yeah, they can't act uh, oblivious to it. Even Trey, um. I think put on his story like we'll be hired at number nine or something he like did. that. So he did, and all these guys are like, particularly Trey. I still follow these guys on Instagram because of the March Madness run last year. Trey reposts like every time his name comes up in one of those, it's like top backcourts in the country or like uh-huh. teams that could surprise. Like so, he's he's very internet yeah. savvy, and you, and you know they don't exactly they don't deny it. Like mm-hmm. I even I even when I was talking to Kluma and Trey at media day, I'm like. You see this stuff like I'll be seeing your story. Like you see this stuff, and they not they're not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just um, they have to process, and depending on who's asking them, they have to process 
how they're gonna how much they're gonna let you know about whether they care or not. And frankly, I think I think Trey is one of the people who cares the most, like you said. And I think um, I don't think there might not be a, a player that cares more than Baylor Shireman. I mean, Baylor Shireman like clearly searches his name up every day on Twitter. Well, this is new ground for him. He's never had this bright of a spotlight on him. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. I no, mean, I'd probably that. be doing the same as a player, but I just he, I would not. I wouldn't. I would recommend against it. It's bad for your mental health. Go on. Probably. But you don't know until you there, you know. I'm not trying. If I I, I, I mute base if you if you come at me on Twitter saying some dumb shit, I mute you. We're never gonna see you again. I don't know. I'll probably be the type to poke my chest. I do up. it. I do it. So <laughs> I'll probably be the type to coach you because you got to think the fan. If you're a player like that, the fan base is behind you. If you tell dude, you know, hey, if you tell tell him something crazy, give him a clap back, whatever, like. Tell them go kick rocks, beat it. Like the at the same time, you're giving you that person extra exposure. So you're just inviting. Yeah, yeah, I think sure. if you do that, you're inviting more people to come at you. So it sounds like we we talked about this last week. This was like we we can talk in the abstract about you know all this hype and they got you know we have we have numbers put next to it now. Number nine, highest preseason ranking mm-hmm. in school history. All these uh, preseason all first big East, league. right, right, right. Yeah. Pick first in the league. You know, uh, Kalkbrenner on the first team. Um, Nemhard and, and Shireman and Kaluma getting the I think Nemhard and, and Kaluma were second team and Shireman yep. was honorable mention all that stuff yep. this was their first personification of that this is like you see it in, in person uh, Max said something to the effect of usually we're just sitting here talking to ourselves mm-hmm. now they've got a crowd how do you think they handled that it sounds like you think they handled it pretty well yeah that's literally what he said and yeah. um, frankly it was interesting um, I think they handled it as as well as they could. They've actually done a pretty good job, I think, of um, you know showing a level of maturity. I wasn't sure that they would have, especially from a group of mainly sophomores and nineteen twenty year old kids, a yeah. junior and Cogbenner. Um, they've been really mature through this whole process, and um, I think they handled answering the same question over and over better than I probably would have. I mean, at a certain point, I'm gonna get pissed. I'm be like, yo, like, come on, but. Um, they answered it every time with the same energy, and uh, it was interesting during those, at least while I was standing there, because, I mean, I, I felt like I asked a lot of questions, so I'm not asking them that question over and over, but um, it was kind of funny to see the, the cycle of people that uh, walked up to even Matt, because, uh, like, at a certain point, I'm just talking to the players, but I'm I'm at, in my peripheral seeing people walk up to to Mac and kind of ask the same question over and over and at a certain point I'm I'm ready to talk to Mac so I like kind of laughed because dude asked the question in the most uh I think the most like emphatic way to ask the question right that they keep asking I I, I told him like, I gotta laugh because like they they keep asking you this like does it ever get tired and they were like no I mean this is this is what it's about I mean it, you can't be named number nine in the country and not expect that, especially if you're not a Duke or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they had to know this was coming. I mean, they they wish for this, right? Like right. they come to the territory. Yeah. So and then even Nemhard said something along those lines, like like we're not ducking expectations. Like this is what you play college basketball for. Two Kalkbrenner observations. Well, two one Kalkbrenner observation, and then I'm gonna ask you a, a nerdy thing about the short roll. Sure. Um, he was kind of, of all the questions that they fielded about preseason hype whatever i thought his answer about the sonogo thing which is an easy question to bat away how do you feel about this person getting picked yep. over the over you for preseason player of the year his his answer he did sort of do like the oh you know it doesn't mean anything but then at the end he slips in and, yeah we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens when we play them that to me like 
Kalkbrenner, if people have ever, like, cons- like I, I talked to him one-on-one for, like, five, ten minutes last year for a story I did on him bef- before the tournament. And then if you just watch his press conferences, he's kind of like a, a shy, introverted kid, yeah. I think is an uh, accurate assessment. But that, that kind of, like, you put the x-ray over his heart, he's got the, he's got the pup. Yeah. He's got, the, he's got that, um, I don't know, what is it? The tenacity, like that ferocious competitiveness. Yeah. It doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't emit that all the time, but you can, him, you can see him. it's in him, right? Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. And okay, so the short roll thing. Well, no, you, I, I want to add to the okay, point go ahead. you made. Go ahead. Like, um, the, the quote was great. And um, frankly, I think, um, I mean, he has to, there's like a certain self awareness there. Like, he probably walked into it thinking that it would be him. And he probably got a, a bunch of reasons to think so. I mean, plenty of people have pointed. Even like, it's not even just a thing among, like, if you were somebody who was really, really had tunnel vision and only kept up with creating basketball. Like, that's not even. That's something. That's a thought that's been perpetuated beyond this fan base, right? Like, this is something national media has been picking up on. Like, people really believe Kalkbrenner could be the best player in this league this year, and there is a faction that think it'll be Sonogo, and so that obviously showed in the polls. Um, and so I think he's carrying that mindset into it and um, just gave a great call. And even, even he did something that I thought was even more different than people usually do mm-hmm. when talking about, like, Aurora races like that. He, he even said, like, you know, I'm on a team with so many other great guys. Like, that might even lower my chances, too. Like, he even said that. And I yeah. was like, I, I don't think I've ever heard a player talk about their chances and it yeah. really – Talk about preseason award. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I also think it's a, personally. I think it's an aesthetics thing. Sonogo is a is a brick shit house. He, like he's built crazy. Clockburner's kind of slender, and sure. Sonogo the way they use him, just a higher usage guy, right? So I think those two are factors. Um, you were writing about the short roll, how Clockburner understands that that's a big part of of what uh, he wants to improve on this season. Explain to people who don't know what that means. What what a, a playmaking big out of the short roll is and why it's useful for an offense, yeah, particularly no like Creighton's. Um, so the short roll is just when you don't roll all the way to the rim, uh, maybe stop short. That's why they call it a short roll. So maybe it typically, it's typically around a free throw line. Um, so like elbow area, free throw, uh, just not as close to the rim. And so when you get a dude like Hawk Brennan to work on that um, – not only is he caught in less situations where maybe they send a double too quick under the rim and he gets caught in a tight spot, but he, he really gets to survey the floor. Um, all five of these guys that he's going to be that are going to be on the floor while he's there are going to demand attention. I mean, I think you'll see some very interesting defenses being played against them. A lot of um, doubles are going to come. Like it's it's obvious. So um, when you put him in a position, let me just even throw the most basic situation out there um let's say he's setting a ball screen for a trey alexander um let's say people want to go over on trey alexander this year instead of under i mean either way uh let's say both the guy defending the screen and the guy defending trey show attention on trey they they send two to the ball yeah yeah they send two to the ball um ryan Cogbrenner stops at the elbow instead of going to the rim and maybe getting into a tight spot. Even still, um, <clears throat> he probably could make a play from around the rim, but he stops at the elbow, surveys the floor. Um, he can, if he's at the elbow, I don't know, he talked about a floater. Maybe if he's a few feet in front of the elbow. Even. Might, be a, might be a dribble. 
yeah. maybe a dribble there. You know, so maybe he could toss a floater, maybe he shoots a mid range, or maybe, depending on what he does there throughout the year, he draws a guy from the corner, you know, from that ball side, and let's say Baylor Simon's in that corner. And that's the man who helped was the dude guarding him. That's an easy play to make right there. And that's just one of the so many scenarios that just unfold out of the short roll. It's just the the key of the short roll is is having um, having the wherewithal, knowing where you are on the court. You might catch the ball with your back turned to wherever you're going to pass the ball. So it's just being able to catch the ball, having the vision to to dissect what's happening in front of you. Because that's the be- the best at this in the NBA is, is obviously the Warriors, right? Because everyone sends to at the ball when Steph's around a pick and roll. Yeah. Uh, usually it's him and Draymond basically made. This is why they won. They beat the Cavs in the 2015 Finals. The Cavs kept trapping Steph pick and rolls. They ended up doing short roll with Draymond, two on Steph. That leaves the Warriors' offense with a four on three, and Draymond either attacks the rim and finishes or sprays to one of the other shooters they had. So yeah. that's why that's important, and, and it's I, I, I like that. Kalkbrenner's already thinking that way about this this kind of team. Yeah. Obviously, the coaches have talked to him about it. And in, and in the Warriors' case, um, even when they sent two to the ball and hit Draymond in their short roll, like Steph, the great thing about Steph is he relocates. Going, yeah. So um, I'm interested to see who on this team is really adept at relocating and respacing. Um, it's probably something I should ask. Mm, so I like that. Um, and um, it'll just be interesting to see and. Um, he actually mentioned Draymond as like I, I asked him like you know who are you watching and maybe try to pick up uh, you know concepts out of your short roll and just get better at it and he was like obviously Draymond's probably the best at it and um, yeah I, I think I'm watching guys in that company like Draymond Bam Jokic obviously like um, it's just he has a lot of material to watch so I'm it was it was interesting to see that you know, Lakers should be doing more of this. That's neither here nor there. I mean, we're not talking Lakers <laughs> basketball, dog. We're, we're we don't. Have, I'm, I'm for a second. That's it. Uh, you know, well, I, I caught. I caught a glimpse of the season where I was drafting the rough. fantasy team, six man rough. league. I think I did decent. I'll show you later. Okay. Um, six man league. But it, well, uh, it was short grade. notice. Okay. Sh- shut up. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I caught glimpses, and it was just it was hard to watch. So it was. Um, okay, I was. Oh, your point. Okay, one more quick thing, then we'll. Uh, transition to a couple other things you wrote this week. Um, your point about the the, your, the question you may ask about, you know, who's the guy who might be able to relocate? There's so much conversation about who's going to have the ball? Who's going to have the ball? It may be more pressing. Like, who who's going to move without the yeah, ball? Who, yeah. like, the off-ball movement is going to be more important. Like, what do you do once you give it up? You know, like, there's a lot of guys who are used to having the ball in their hands. They give it up. They just stand there, which can be, you know, if you can shoot, that's fine. You can be a floor spacer. But it's a lot harder to guard when you give it up and keep moving. Yeah. Just a thought that, that can add a lot to the offense. And if I had to answer the question for myself, I'd, I'd like to think Baylor, Baylor. That's why I think Baylor can definitely do that. I think when somebody asked me who might be the highest scorer or who has a chance to be the highest, like, the leading scorer on the team, I said Baylor because not only is he really good on the ball, but he's probably almost as good off the ball just with his – shooting numbers and um you know maybe he's not the best mover in college basketball off the ball but like he he doesn't have to be like it's just he has gravity off the ball it's not it's not even necessarily about speed right it's like angles and whatnot and just like keep moving yeah like guys aren't used to defending guys who are moving all the time like that right yeah um okay i I also think kaluma has a chance to be in there i think he could be another short roll guy too he'll be sending a lot of screens and this is why i when i tell people Kaluma might be the most talented doing the same. It goes. I mean, obviously, if you keep up with NBA draft, you, you're gonna know that that's who has the most potential on the team. And 
pretty much everybody's opinion. But Coloma, what I really love about Coloma is he really understands off-ball movement. Like, you saw some um, in, the, in the the World Cup qualifiers. Like, he'll he'll give a dude a ball, like, the... He'll, he'll pick up the ball in the corner, right, and give it to the point guard to reset. And in that fraction, in that window, like usually the defender that's on Kaluma, after Kaluma passed it back, they're going to relax because he just gave the ball up. And that's when Kaluma goes. Like he, he just understands stuff like that. And uh, the overall point we're making here, the potential for like the interchangeability in this offense, the way different guys can be ball handlers or screeners or off-ball guys like – it's it's exciting. It's yeah. very exciting. Um, two other stories you wrote this week. The, Stol- the Stoltzberg story I thought was interesting. We've been talking kind of a lot about he's this you know really impressive uh, freshman with a, a nice recruiting track record, and we're not really sure what his role is. Um, what did you learn from that conversation with him this week? Yeah, so that was from uh, Media Day, right? Um, but he's very uh, very poised. Um, very mature, I thought. Um, he's got, again, some stellar awareness, like just being able to, because like even the way I framed the story is I I feel I felt was the storyline. Like, dude is probably a a better guard than his ranking would suggest, and um, I feel like some coaches caught wind of that, and he came here because he saw the guard development that Creighton has enjoyed and, you know, turned out. And um, with him, you know, you got Ryan Nemhar, You got Trey Alexander. And you could probably call Schultzberg a, a combo, but, like, you probably want to run him at point. But you, either way, the point I'm making is there's just so many guards on this damn team. I mean, Ryan, Trey, and we're not talking about any guards. We're talking about really good guards. Ryan, Trey, Baylor, um, on the bench, Sharif, uh, Farabello. Like, these are – Guys, even for the guys that aren't the best, like they're older, they had college basketball under their belt, so he's in a tough spot. But he came into this knowing that and didn't care. Uh, and it feels like he's a guy who will stick around because of it. Um, you know, most guys, if they incidentally fall into a situation like this and don't end up playing or whatever the case may be, even though he really has a chance to still get minutes, um, they probably enter the portal without, without even thinking twice. But it feels like he'll stick around. Uh, even if some guys stay next year, it just feels like he really believes the impact is there for him. And even if it's a slower process than he would like, um, he, I think he just braced himself for that. I mean, it's more than I think most kids would have did. Another situation where it, um, it would behoove him to, and he's had the ball in his hands basically his entire high school career, right? Behoove him to figure out how to, you know, maybe watch a little stuff film or Kyle Korver film for the Creighton Heads. Move without the ball. Make yourself, you know, increase that versatility. You can, you can grow as a player without playing because, you, you know, you're trying to highlight other areas of your game because your role changes when you, come to, when you make a step up in a level, right? Um, yeah, I think, that's a, I think everything you said is, is right, and it's cool that, Particularly for a kid who, <clears throat> like, we come up on the L.A. basketball scene, like, all this media attention that crazy is not new to him. L.A. basketball scene is, like, legit. So for, for him to, to pr- approach it that way is kind of refreshing. Obviously, you know, he's early. He hasn't had any DMP CDs yet. We'll see how that yeah. go, uh, continues as the season pr- um, progresses. But he seems like he's going into it with the, the right mindset. And, and, you know, it's funny you mention it. Um, the, the L.A. scene is obviously great and. 
um, that he knows attention. And it's funny because he quote tweeted the the post from the World Herald saying like thank you for the article, which is usually you only right. see that from like right. high schoolers. But like it, it was just it was funny to me to see that because. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I think, yeah, well, I think he plays in the. There was, he plays for like a team that was a powerhouse in the valley, which is right. maybe one of the lesser covered sure. areas. But okay. Uh, anything else for me today? You wrote a column too. Do you want to touch on that? Mm, it was really. Um, I don't think it was. Any, I think. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say one thing about it. The, the point that you made about the the difference in uh, media attention between the, the Creighton men and Creighton women. Some were still. I wrote. I, wrote, I asked. I, I, both years I've been to Big Ten Media Days. I've asked Amy. You know what the platform. I mean, Amy Williams, the Nebraska women's coach. What the platform means to them, and and um, what what can you accomplish at a media days for your program? I asked Fred that last year, and he just kind of like, I don't know, Jimmy. Like they don't even think about that because the attention's always there. I think because the coverage is more spark. Like we're we're making improvements as a basketball media, uh, given the women's game the, the coverage it deserves, but they have a better understanding of what that stuff means because it hasn't been there for so long. So I think that's, that's a point that you made in that column. And I think that's an important one to, to point out. I think like the, it's a, it's a criticism of the conferences. Like the, like it should, you shouldn't have the opportunity to go in, talk to all the men's teams that you want to talk to, then clear out before all, cause it went, it went, the men went first, right. Yeah. And then the women went the second day. It shouldn't be that way. You should at big time media days. They gotten better at this. They have it on the same day. So if you're there to cover, if you're there to talk to Fran McCaffrey, you're gonna also talk to Caitlin Clark. Like your editors are gonna do that because why well, not? Well, you know, it was it was, uh, it was all the same day, but it was separated by just lunch. Okay. And so the people just See, that, that, never came back. So now that's on us then. Like yeah. you gotta stick around. Yeah. You gotta stick around. Um, let's talk about these exhibitions we got this weekend. Crane's playing Iowa State. That's fire. That's a that's going to be high level basketball. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is playing Shadron State. Um, quick, hold on. I, I did a little Shadron googling this morning. <laughs> Want to learn a few things about Shadron, Nebraska? Sure. Didn't expect to, but I'll take it. It is. All right, my cloud photos haven't been updated. It's fine. Uh, Shadron is the United States Forest Service headquarters of the Nebraska and Samuel and Samuel R. McKelvey National Forests and a bunch of other stuff. There's also uh, Shadron, Nebraska features the Museum of Fur Tra- of the Fur Trade and is the site of the American Fur Company's former Bordeaux training post. I don't really know what any of that means, but that's just a little scouting report on Shadron, Nebraska. Um, I'll take, we've been talking about creating the entire time. I'll take the, the Nebraska. Like, what are we looking for from the scrimmage? It's a mirror game. Like, it's a Division II team. You should stomp them. Let's start there. Stomp them. If you're a Big Ten team, you're a serious Big Ten team, stomp them. Second thing, all the things you've been saying in the offseason, this is, a t- again, a team you should beat easily. You should be able to do everything that you want to do that you say you're going to do or at least show signs of doing it. So you sure. say, Nebraska, Fred Hoiberg says, they're going to be a better offensive rebounding team. They're going to put a, more of an emphasis on it. You're bigger than this team. Go get it. Go get the ball. You got better athletes. You got bigger athletes. Ma- rebound your own misses. This is a team that should be able to execute a game plan better. Let's see it. Let's see these guys move the ball crisply. Let's see them execute this offense to a team. Whatever shot you want to get against this team, you should be able to get. So let's see that. And then defensively, they want to pressure guys. They want forced turnovers. They want to be pests. This should be a miserable experience for Shadron State basketball. That's what it should be. Yeah. That's all I got. Creighton, Iowa State. What are you looking for? Um... 
Not sure yet. Um, <clears throat> I think really just. I guess we'll look at the score, even though it might not be indicative yeah. of what actually happens. But um, I, I'm really looking at the top performers, um, seeing who played, especially. Mm-hmm. They're going to play, I would guess, because it's an exhibition, they're going to play a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah both, that goes for both teams. Seeing who played, how much they played, um, seeing who you know the top few scores were, obviously, um, and just seeing... I don't know if we'll even get the chance to go this in depth, but seeing where these dudes got their buckets from, I guess how many threes they end up getting, what they shot from three, um, I think it's probably something people will look at and pay attention to. So, Early look at the rotations. That's a good point. Um, it, I think it's these, these moments are, I don't want to say crucial because it's such a small sample size, but we're about to we might get the best sample size that we're going to get out of these younger players who aren't going to play like a Stoltzberg um for Nebraska that might be like a Denim Dawson I don't know how much we're going to we might we may well see Denim Dawson get rotation minutes during the regular season if if I wrote in my position preview this week that like if Denim Dawson's jumper improves or someone else's regresses or the perimeter defense isn't where it needs to be I could see him carving out a role but like if guys that that I think the coaching staff right now are thinking maybe those are redshirt guys this is the best look we're going to get at those guys um, all year long. So that's a that's another thing that I'm looking forward to, um, and just seeing it. Like for Creighton, it's again, it's another data point that in a long list of data points that you kind of have seen before. You're going to be able to see like, okay, what is Ryan? How is Ryan Nemhard looking back? You know, coming back from the injury. You know, what is Trey added to his game? Does the jump shot look any different? That sort of stuff. From the Nebraska side of things, it's a brand brand new group essentially. Like, yes, CJ's back. Yes, Derek's back, but. The primary creators are different. The offense, I think, is going to look a little bit different. They started, Fred said they're going to run more of the stuff that he ran um, with the Bulls teams that had uh, after, after Wade and Rondo, like the Markin and led teams where they were really good for like six weeks and then they tanked, right? <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. We're going to see like how, how the, we're actually, like last, last year, Fred said we made a big jump into, we're going to run more stuff through Derek Walker. Derek Walker's, Walker's usage rate pretty much stayed the same because the guards were who they were. I think we're going to see more. What what can Derek Walker do as like a a, a playmaker that you're going to be counting on? Wilhelm too. Wilhelm Breidenbach, who I'm writing a story about. Uh, I think it's going to run next week. Coming back from the ACL, a lot of a lot was made about Bryce last year. He's the highest recruiting in highest rated recruit in school history. Oh my God, Wilhelm's a third. Like that dude is a crucial piece for this program going forward. A crucial piece for this season. They want to run a bunch of two big lineups. You need one of those guys to be able to shoot. He in theory is supposed to do that. He didn't do that last year. So how does he look movement wise? How does he like, he had problems with this guy, Joel committed and he wasn't playing a ton. So this is part of this is he would get in foul trouble in small stints and it blows up the, the per 40 numbers, eight and a half fouls per 40 minutes. He was committing. Mm. You got to rein that in. Because they're gonna, he's agile enough to be able to go over on screens and hedge and recover. That's what they were having him do last year. Let's see you do that with you know without flailing so much and hitting guys. That's an important because if you want again, I really view him as a, a super key piece to this team going forward. Needs you on the court. All that stuff, all that stuff is is worth watching. Again, it's Shadron State. It should all go as exactly as according to plan. Maybe some of these notes are, are more for next week against Colorado, but all that stuff I'm paying attention to this weekend. Anything else? Can we move on? Next thing is, uh, we got, I think we got two more things. The NCAA tournament expansion. I think we got to talk about it at this point. I don't know. I actually kind of think it's going to happen, which kind of makes me sad. Um, I don't know like what exactly 
we would expand too. I think one of the, I can't remember who it was. This is going to be a bad, it's going to be a bad, like nut graph of a explanation, but I, the expansion model that I like the most, I think it's like 80 or 90. The basically the model would look like all these bubble team. You got, you know, auto bids for the, for the conference champs. If you're ranked, you're in and then a bunch of these other teams, you know, maybe if you like, if you if you're in, like, if you win your regular season conference title, but your resume wasn't enough, uh, or you didn't win your tournament title, or like you're an at-large, or you're one of these, like, I don't know, Syracuse is a perpetual high major bubble team, right? Like, those teams, it's just an extra week of, of like the first four, except it's like the first, I don't know, 2025. 20, and then you just play the tournament again. I think, Jesus. I personally think that the NCAA tournament is like, for hoop heads is like the NFL to the rest of the world. So the NFL added a regular season game a couple of years ago. They added a playoff team and everyone's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. We, we were going to watch the shit out of all of those games. If they, if they expand the tournament and they, you know, make all these extra playing games, we're all going to bitch and moan about it. And then we're going to be locked in because it's high leverage basketball. And we're obsessed with that stuff. We're obsessed know, with man. it. People watch the first four. The first four games are bad. <laughs> like the teams in those, you're, you don't get in those games by being a good team. But how much can they get away with this dog? First high leverage four basketball is, crazy, is high bro. leverage first basketball. First 25 is an insane I'm tell- I'm watching. lunacy, bro. I'm telling you, I'm watching. And, and here's the other thing. More teams. So more fans of those teams Ooh, are going to be sound locked like in. Like a mid-major coach. I'm dog. telling. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm just rationalizing it. I don't. I don't want it. I think the tournament should stay how it is. I'm saying if we're going to do it, that's the model I like, and I am always in favor of watching more high leverage basketball. There's no. There's no best concept for this expansion idea. It, it can't happen. I mean. It, this sport can't be so money hungry that they. And what's oh, crazy is the quote, anyone could be so money hungry. Well, go of ahead. course, but they shouldn't be if they if sure. they want to go to heaven. But um, just I think the quote wow. we were talking about in the car when you picked me up was um, Dennis Gates was like, right, not, the Mizzou coach. Not only it. I'm not gonna shout out Mizzou, <laughs> but Tom Chattel is weeping right now. <laughs> Weeping. <laughs> hey, but shout out Dennis Gates because he okay. went to Whitney Young. I went to Whitney Young. Okay. I'm shout not, out the high school. Not I'm not that fond you of Whitney Young. You didn't choose to go to high school. You chose to go to college. I did. Well, I did choose to go to Whitney Young. I had oh, my options. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah. Come on now. I Whitney, didn't know. And Whitney Young was a tough school to get into. Right. Don't play me like right. that, dog. But I, I don't know high schools like that. I just like live well, in a neighborhood, and they're like, "All right, you go here." I'm yeah, like, "All right, sweet." Well, it can't work like that. We're not gonna get into that, but. <laughs> Um, shout out Dennis Gates So I did go to Whitney Young I'm not that fond of Whitney Young Shout out Dennis Gates but, but you're about to shit on Dennis Gates Are you not? No well, I like him as well, a coach And a recruiter And well, not he did a good like, job Not as like State. who he is as a coach But just like But the quote he made Was yeah. insane Bro <laughs> said Not only Is he a fan of it Like He thinks they They should Double The <laughs> The field Which is insane Because now you're looking at A lot of nasty basketball and really, and I saw Jeff Goodman cooking, cooking basically every coach who's yeah. supporting it, and probably rightfully so. And basically, he's saying stuff along the lines of the, the only people who are encouraging this are coaches, and not just coaches, but coaches more specifically that coach losing programs like Mizzou has been. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just some nasty advocation coming through the woodworks and it's gonna it would be for nasty basketball so couple things plenty of nasty basketball happening in the ncaa tournament every year we, we watch it so why add we to watch it? it we watch it because it's close and it's high leverage and high leverage basketball is like crack i can't get enough of it i can't get enough of it second thing you're absolutely right the coaches who are pleading for this are exactly like they're the, the coaches who 
who aren't going to the NCAA tournament under the, the current prism often enough. They're trying to move the goalposts for success so they can hang some BS banners. It's like the, there's an open joke in NBA media right now about if the Kings finish the 10 seed this year and they make the play-in tournament, they're gonna, the, the Kings are going to come out and say <laughs> they're going to release a press release that said, our playoff drought, which is the longest professional playoff drought in all sports, <laughs> it's over. It's over, even if they lose in the first play-in game, which is not the playoffs. That would be happening. It's so it's not just coaches. It's ads. It's all these athletic administrators who are like who you know are trying to move again, move the goalposts for success and say, oh look at what we did. We made the NCAA tournament, and in the process they would be devaluing what that accomplishment actually means. Yeah. So and you're taking away like at at that point, dog. Like, what's the point of the regular season? What weight do those go? Do those games have auto bids? What's the weight of the actual conference tournament? At that Auto point. bids, you don't have to go through all the first four nonsense. That's what it would be. It just it, it, it makes. I it, hate it too. I think we should prepare for it. I think it's going to happen. The playoff but, is expanding. Everything. This is we live in a participation trophy culture. It's going to. But it's definitely not cross sports. If it has to happen, not double, not double. Hell no, not <laughs> double. Hell no, not eighty teams. I think closer to maybe seventy. Like you start slow. Please start slow. So, all right. Last thing, uh, Sam texted me a question before this. Sam doesn't text it. me questions. I'll read it verbatim. Well, we were already having a conversation. I know him better. If you, I'll tell him that. I'll tell Whatever, him that you said Sam. that. I'll tell him that you said that. You'll get a question next week. Okay. Here's my here's my me, question Sam. for the podcast. How many players deep on Creighton's roster do you get before you hit the best player on Nebraska's roster? He posited an entire starting five. Joel. Easily the entire Definitely the entire five. starting five, but yeah. how how far beyond that do we go if we Silliness go? Silliness it is to is like, that question. Is like, who do you think the sixth man's going to be? Sharif? Yeah, but I think that's more, I don't think that means he's the most talented on the bench. Right. I just think it's the Okay, so who do you think is the most talented on the bench then? I don't want to get hate. No. Oh my goodness, this man is scared to hey, put shut his, up, dog. Let let me, throw a take out here. there. This is you embarrassing. Know, the most talented, the Obviously, I haven't. We don't. Have, Here come every couch and caveat you've ever heard. Look, dude, a lot of these dudes on the bench haven't even played a game That's yet. That's true. Like, we're looking at Fred King, we're looking at Schultzberg, we're looking at Mason Miller. I have not played a game for them. Yeah. I want to say Mason Miller, right? Because of the way they talk about him in terms of his vertical leap, the strap he has. Um, but I haven't seen him in a game. Like, so I can't really tell you. It feels like he's the most talented. I mean, he was a top 80 recruit. Yeah. So, um, I actually think the starting five is where it stops. Like I, maybe and I Mason Miller, at that. Maybe, maybe Mason, Mason Miller is. has like a higher ceiling than a lot of these Nebraska guys. I mean, a lot like Mason Miller definitely has a higher ceiling than Derek Walker. Derek Walker hits his head on the ceiling that he's created for himself every single day. He gets the most out of his talent, and he's you know, uh, 24, 25 years old. So he is what he is at this point. Um, but I think. It's yeah, like you said. There's just too much. Like there's a lot of specialists on the bench, and there's a lot of unproven young guys on the bench. And so, I think that a lot of the guys who sit the bench on Creighton, a few who don't play, would be in Nebraska's rotation. Yeah. Um. Not sure Starters, they'd be starting. Sure. I don't know yeah. if they'd be starting. And, and this is the thing. This is the point I'll make because if, ta- if if Mason's the most talented on the bench, I don't think I could put Mason, who's gonna be an off-ball guy. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't think I could call him better, especially since he hasn't played a game. I don't think I could call him better yet is Sam Griesel, who's going to be setting the exactly. table for if, a Big Ten if, team. Like, if Mac called up Fred and said, hey, I'll give you Mason Miller for Sam Griesel for this year only, Fred would hang up and laugh. He would. That's just how that would go. 
It's it's yeah. So it's not a perfect. And there aren't too many things that, that Fred would hang up and laugh about. Fred, I think Fred. First of all, Fred would get excited. He's back in his GM bag, back in his Timberwolf days. He would love that. He'd be like, all right, all right, I'll listen to you, Mac. How many picks you throwing at me? How many future recruits? How many commits that you secure are coming my way yeah. after that? But it's a fun little exercise. All right, that's the podcast for this week. I'm Jimmy Watkins. He's Joel Lorenzi. Keep tuned to everything we do at the Omaha World Herald and Omaha.com. <laughs> <laughs>